Hey, Mike Baker here. Well, spring is in full swing, and for millions of folks, that means yard work and gardening, am I right? Now, here's a pro tip for those of you looking to spruce up your landscaping. Fast Growing Trees is the largest online nursery in the U.S. They've got over 10,000 plant varieties and millions of satisfied customers. Save yourself the time and trouble of multiple trips to those crowded nurseries. You know what I'm talking about. Fast Growing Trees is a complete time saver. From fruit trees to houseplants, they have it all, and it's delivered right to your doorstep. Plus, their plant experts are always available for advice. They can tell you what grows best in your area, how to plant, when to plant. It's like having your own expert gardener. And here's the best part. This spring, they have up to half off on select plants. And listeners to the President's Daily Brief can get an extra 15% off by using promo code PDB at checkout. So go to FastGrowingTrees.com and use promo code PDB at checkout. It's Monday, October 9th, the start of a new week that brings with it death, violence, and uncertainty in the Middle East. Welcome to the President's Daily Brief. I'm Mike Baker, your eyes and ears on the world stage. Let's get briefed. Israel is now at war after Hamas launched coordinated extensive terrorist operations from the Gaza Strip into southern Israel. In today's President's Daily Brief, we'll examine the events of the weekend and their implications. We'll kick off with the latest updates, zeroing in on how the terror group Hamas orchestrated its operation. Then, given the attack's magnitude, a major question exists. How did Israel miss the warning signs of such a significant assault involving upwards of a thousand terrorists moving into Israel by land, sea, and air? With both Israeli and U.S. officials stating that they had no warning of an impending attack, what can explain this obvious intelligence failure and, critically, what needs to be done to ensure it doesn't happen again? After addressing that, our focus shifts to Iran, which is openly cheering Hamas. That would be, of course, because Hamas is a proxy for Iran, which supplies the terrorist organization with money, military hardware, training, and other support. Lastly, we'll break down the U.S. response and what this may mean for the political situation and the recent chaos on display on Capitol Hill. Is the U.S. national security posture at risk because the House lacks a leader? Let's start by unpacking the events that have unfolded so far. The war between Israel and Hamas has now entered its third bloody day, and the body count continues to rise. Israeli authorities have shared the grim tally, over 600 dead and more than 2,000 wounded, most of whom are innocent civilians, and that number is very likely to go up. On the other side, over 300 have reportedly been killed in Gaza, as Israel responds by hitting hundreds of targets in Palestinian territory. Israel's Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, said Hamas had, quote, opened the gates of hell. The statement preceded Israel's official declaration of war on Hamas yesterday, setting the groundwork for the considerable military response that we're currently seeing, which Israel has dubbed the Operation Sword of Iron. Now, you might be asking how this weekend's violence is different from prior confrontations between Hamas and Israel. Well, this time around, Hamas's assault on southern Israel was unmatched both in its range and its precision. 
For context, Hamas militants didn't just attack from the land. They launched offensive campaigns from the sea and air as well. They've named this multi-pronged assault Operation Al-Aqsa Flood, symbolizing the deluge of devastation they sought to deliver. The attacks began just after daybreak, around 6.30 a.m. local time as most Israelis slept. First, the skies were lit up with rockets. At least 3,000 fired at a variety of Israeli towns and cities, and attempting, by that number, to overwhelm Israel's Iron Dome missile defense system. The attacks also included armed drones, targeting Israeli lookout posts and weapon systems on the border. Almost concurrently, fighters on paragliders soared into Israel from above. But the assault didn't end there. Militants then attacked from the ground, approaching Israel's separation barrier and, using explosives and bulldozers, created multiple breaches. This allowed for a wave of terrorists to flood into Israel, launching assaults on Israeli military positions and civilian targets along the frontier. This coordinated operation extended its reach far beyond the immediate border area. This was no simple border incursion, with attacks reported as distant as 15 miles from Gaza. The Hamas tactics were brutal, as evidenced by disturbing videos that showcase them dragging injured soldiers and standing over lifeless women and children. But arguably, the most horrifying element has been Hamas's strategy to target civilian communities close to the Gaza boundary. Eyewitnesses reported scenes of carnage in the Israeli town of Starat, near Gaza, with bodies strewn across the streets and inside vehicles, their windows shattered by a barrage of bullets. Reportedly, over 250 young people were killed at a music festival just a few miles from the border with Gaza. Moreover, Hamas militants have taken both Israeli soldiers and civilians captive. Israeli authorities confirm approximately 100 individuals have been abducted by Hamas and dragged back into Gaza City. Initial reporting indicates that the hostages are being held in various sites, including underground tunnels and other locations used by Hamas. To provide perspective on the severity of the situation, the death toll from this singular assault has surpassed any other since the second Palestinian uprising 20 years ago. In a recent update, the Israeli Defense Force, the IDF, announced the conclusion of the first phase of their counteroperation, asserting the majority of Hamas forces that infiltrated Israeli lands have been neutralized. Now, this conflict will escalate as Israel seeks to destroy Hamas facilities, command and control centers, weapons caches, and military sites, and there will undoubtedly be Palestinian casualties. Now, this point is important to note, and that is, Palestinian casualties are what Hamas expects, intends, and counts on. Hamas and their Iranian overlords and sponsors do not care about Palestinian civilian casualties, except to the degree that they use those deaths as leverage. They know that global media and social media will play up Palestinian casualties while playing down both the havoc wrecked by Hamas and Israeli deaths. That has been a pattern for decades. Hamas, Hezbollah, Islamic Jihad, all encouraged, funded, and supplied by Iran, only have relevance when there is instability. A regional peace, now think the recent discussions as an example and possible agreement between Saudi Arabia and Israel, well, that threatens the terrorists' relevance and power base. Look, they've been using the Palestinian cause 
for their own purposes and self-interest for generations. The reality is that Hamas has for years placed themselves within the civilian infrastructure of the Gaza Strip, embedding their command centers, their weapons caches, and bomb and missile manufacturing sites adjacent to or within civilian infrastructure. They know that Israeli targeting will likely cause civilian deaths because that has been their methodology, the methodology of Hamas. They hide behind the civilians, knowing their presence will give them what they want when they initiate conflict, the currency of dead Palestinians. All right, after the break, as the war rages on, many Israelis are asking an important question, a critical question. How did Israel miss the signs that a major attack was coming? I'll be right back. Hey, Mike Baker here. Well, once again, Pure Talk is investing in their customers out of their own pocket without charging an extra penny. Now, you've heard me talk about Pure Talk before, right? How they provide excellent coverage and service with industry-beating rates. And now, I'm happy to announce that Pure Talk is also providing international roaming to over 50 countries. That's right. As you plan your summer travel, make sure your wireless provider has you covered at home and abroad. Pure Talk already puts you on America's most dependable 5G network, but now they're giving you coverage in over 50 countries as well. Unlimited talk, text, and plenty of 5G data for just $20 a month. Look, that's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Bring your phone, and Pure Talk's eSIM technology makes switching so simple. Or you can get great savings on the latest iPhones and Androids. Make the switch to the cell phone company that I know will provide you with outstanding service and value, Pure Talk. Just go to puretalk.com slash baker, that's B-A-K-E-R, just like you imagined, to start saving today. And when you do, you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Again, visit puretalk.com slash baker to start saving on wireless at home and abroad. Welcome back to the President's Daily Brief. Now, Saturday marked Simchat Torah. That's an annual holiday celebrating the beginning of a new cycle of Torah readings. It's a major Jewish holiday. Coincidentally, the last attack on this scale happened a half a century ago, nearly to the day. On October 6, 1973, the Yom Kippur War witnessed a full-blown Egyptian-Syrian attack on Israel. Today, just like then, Israeli intelligence seems to have been caught off guard. Some even compare the magnitude of, of the weekend's assault to landmark events like Pearl Harbor and September 11th. In fact, Israeli officials are calling the weekend's attacks their September 11th. Previously, we highlighted the complexity of this attack, possibly upwards of a thousand militants, thousands of rockets hitting Israel, explosives to breach the border fence, and a myriad of vehicles, including motorbikes, cars, drones, and attacks by sea. Astonishingly, there seemed to be no warning from Israeli intelligence about Hamas's planned attack. Now, this assault didn't emerge from nowhere. It didn't just pop up. The backdrop is an escalating clash between Gaza militants and Israel. By June of this year, Israeli forces had reportedly killed uh, 137 Palestinians in the West Bank, while Palestinian attacks resulted in 24 Israeli casualties. The situation had deteriorated to the point that, over the summer, the UN Security Council called for restraint from both Israel and the Palestinians. So the question is this. How did Israel's renowned intelligence, with its vast network of human intel, surveillance, and 
other advanced resources covering the West Bank and Gaza miss such a monumental threat? How did everyone, from Mossad to Shin Bet, the IDF, border security and others, not pick up any chatter, informant input, surveillance data, or signals intelligence? Look, Israel's very existence depends heavily on accurate, proactive, well-sourced intelligence. A strong military alone is not capable. You need operational intelligence. Without it, your military is flying blind and constantly reacting rather than preventing threats. There will undoubtedly be a very critical hot wash on this intelligence failure involving Israeli military intelligence and police elements, as well as U.S. and other allies. And that, frankly, is happening right now. It cannot wait until after Israel carries out counterstrikes and follow-up operations. A failure like this causes an immediate assessment of existing resources, human intelligence, and technical capabilities. They're looking to understand the gaps, the missed leads, and possible raw intelligence that might have been collected but was overlooked or misinterpreted, possible false leads or actions taken by Hamas to maintain secrecy. There is a lot to do here. All while requiring the same existing intelligence apparatus to inform the military's current actions to strike at Hamas and rescue hostages. As Israeli officials have already indicated, this is going to be a very long process. Now, the international community has been quick to react to this weekend's attacks. Of course, most Western nations have expressed their sympathy and rallied behind Israel. But there's even been some unexpected reactions from traditionally staunch supporters of Palestinian militants. Notably, the Saudi and Qatari governments have voiced concerns over the rising tensions, signaling a surprisingly measured response. In stark contrast, and this should frankly shock no one, there's one nation that didn't hold back in showing where its allegiance, support, and sympathies lay. Anybody want to take any guesses? Yes, Iran. The nation congratulated the terror organization, expressing support for, quote, anti-Zionist resistance in the region. To further illustrate its stance, Iranian state television broadcasted clips of parliament members chanting death to Israel and proclaiming Palestine is victorious. Obviously, look, it's no surprise that Iran stands firmly behind Hamas. The two have a deeply entrenched alliance. Iran has been a loyal benefactor to Hamas for years, channeling financial aid to bolster its operations and infrastructure in the Gaza Strip. This monetary influx ensures Hamas can remunerate its fighters, uphold social services in a sort of kabuki theater, and pursue its political agenda. On the military front, Iran isn't just a cheerleader, it's an active contributor. They've equipped Hamas with an arsenal, ranging from rockets and missiles to small arms. Plus, they've imparted crucial combat training to Hamas fighters, significantly boosting their battle proficiency, as well as technical expertise, as Hamas has developed their abilities to manufacture their own rockets from facilities inside the Gaza Strip. Adding to the intrigue, just last month, top-tier Iranian officials reportedly convened with Hamas leaders in Lebanon. The ties, I'm saying, run deep. In the aftermath of the weekend's attacks, some in Washington, D.C. have been quick to point out that the Biden administration's soft-on-Iran approach, along with a recent return of $6 billion in frozen assets, helped embolden Iran, which, in turn, emboldened Hamas. 
Secretary of State Antony Blinken and other White House officials were quick to run to the cameras over the weekend to declare that there is no, quote, direct connection between the attacks and the recent release of the $6 billion in frozen assets to Iran. And strictly speaking, they're not wrong, but it is a factor. An attack of this nature that we saw over the weekend likely took many, many months to plan. Resources needed to be gathered, rockets stockpiled, surveillance and reconnaissance of potential targets had to be carried out. There was training of participants. Look, this wasn't a case of Iran receiving $6 billion in frozen assets and then pulling the trigger and ordering Hamas to carry out the attack. It took longer for them to develop this. Not to mention that there were other factors likely encouraging Hamas's timing, including, and this is not unimportant, the disarray over the past many months within Israeli politics and the apparent disarray within the government. However, it is likely that the Biden administration's approach to Iran since being in power, an approach that encouraged more negotiation and rapprochement than the previous sanctions and maximum pressure approach, led the Iranian regime and their proxies to believe that a more aggressive stance in the region was possible. Look, the U.S. government released $6 billion for the release of five hostages. White House officials have stated that the deal couldn't have happened without the funds. Now, Hamas is holding possibly 100 hostages, some of whom are reportedly U.S. citizens. While Secretary Blinken can say that there's not a, quote, direct connection between the funds and the weekend attacks, nothing happens in a bubble. The U.S. administration's policy positions and behavior can and do impact the strategic thinking of our enemies. Now, it's also worth noting when we're looking at the region that the recent dialogue and potential agreement between Saudi Arabia and Israel was something that Iran, frankly, views as unacceptable. And it would be nice to imagine that the Saudi government now will not be influenced by Hamas and Iran to discontinue the path of dialogue and agreement with Israel. But wishful thinking and hope tend not to have much impact on the realities of the Middle East. The point being, like any conflict, and there are few conflicts as layered and complex as those that exist in the Middle East, there are numerous elements that need to be understood and considered. While Hamas and indirectly Iran are responsible for this bloodshed, it's not just one thing that led us here. All right. Coming up in today's Back of the Brief segment, we're going to bring it back to American shores. Just how has the Biden administration in Capitol Hill responded? And what could this mean for the U.S.? I'll be right back. Hey, Mike Baker here. Did you know that a recent survey found that 7 in 10 parents get an average of 3 hours of sleep a night in their baby's first year? I don't know, that sounds like, like a lot more sleep than we got during our baby's first year. Mothers, you deserve quality sleep. And here's how you can make that happen. Cozy Earth. Discover the secret to better sleep with Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding products. And now here's an exclusive Mother's Day. Don't forget Mother's Day is coming up. It's a Mother's Day offer just for our listeners. Use code PDB for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. Cozy Earth bedding products are crafted with temperature-regulating technology. It's adapting to your body's needs through all phases of motherhood. They use only the very best fabrics, materials, and weaves, offering superior softness that invites you to sink into a world of comfort. We use these sheets of the Baker Compound, and I am telling you, they are terrific. 
and Cozy Earth stands by the quality and longevity of its products. Enjoy a 100-night sleep trial and a 10-year warranty on all purchases. That's a 10-year warranty. Built to last through the hardest days and the longest nights of motherhood. Incorporating Cozy Earth products into your self-care routine can enhance sleep quality and overall wellness. This Mother's Day, treat your mom to the luxury, come on, she deserves with Cozy Earth bedding and sleepwear. Head over to CozyEarth.com and use promo code PDB for 35% off. After placing your order, select Podcast in the survey and then select PDB in the drop-down menu that follows. Who is there for the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty? Who is helping our nation's homeless veterans? And who is helping our nation keep its vow to never forget 9-11? I'll tell you who. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation. The foundations in the line of duty programs honor our nation's heroes and their families. That includes its Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran programs. The foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America. Over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year. Dozens of golf outings and barbecues. And the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is helping to educate kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about our nation's darkest day, 9-11. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. This charity keeps its word and honors our nation's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Welcome back. In today's Back of the Brief, let's address how this whole Hamas-Israel situation has hit home for the U.S. First off, it's not just about watching the news from afar, some tragedy impacting another country. According to early reports, at least four Americans have lost their lives in the attacks over the weekend. Moreover, seven other Americans remain unaccounted for, as per U.S. officials. Ron Dermer, Israel's Minister of Strategic Affairs, suggests that Americans could be among the hostages now being held in Gaza. The idea of U.S. citizens being in the clutches of Hamas terrorists creates a unique dynamic and demands a decidedly strong response from the Biden administration. Moving beyond the immediate emotional impact, we've got some practical concerns, like are we going to pitch in to help Israel out? Secretary of State Antony Blinken, while chatting with CNN, hinted that we might be sending additional military resources to Israel. That hint became a reality as we learned yesterday that the U.S. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin has ordered the USS Ford Carrier Group to the Eastern Mediterranean in order to forward deploy further resources. Now, there is no stronger projection of power than a carrier group. However, on the home front, the U.S. is dealing with political dysfunction. It's not a good look when the world is now dealing with two significant wars. As you may have heard, particularly if you're a regular devotee of the PDB, the U.S. is currently running without a Speaker of the House. We've got a substitute Speaker, a fill-in, Congressman Patrick McHenry from North Carolina. As you may recall from your school days, substitute teacher days were not the most productive. I suspect that substitute speaker days are much the same. Look, I'm sure Congressman McHenry is a fine individual, but his hands are tied. He can't do much besides recess, adjourn, or recognize speaker nominations. And with him in charge currently, there's chatter about whether he gets a seat at the table for the high-level Gang of Eight intelligence talks. So with all that's going down in Israel, and the potential for that to escalate, not to mention the ongoing Ukraine conflict. Maybe, just maybe, 
It's time for the U.S. to get its own house in order. And that, my friends, is the President's Daily Brief for Monday, the 9th of October. If you have any questions or comments, reach out to us at pdb at thefirsttv.com. I'm Mike Baker. I'll be back tomorrow. Until then, stay informed, stay safe, stay cool. What is the No Spin News all about? You know that this is a fact-based analysis news program. You know that. We avoid speculation. We don't do conspiracies here. We don't do party politics here. We're not nonpartisan. That's wrong. Not that. Okay, we are advocates for a stronger America and a more just society. We don't believe in communism. We don't believe in socialism. We don't believe in nihilism. We don't believe in the progressive woke culture. We think it is un-American. We don't support that. So you should know what we are, and it would then crystallize what we do. Listen to the No Spin News. Subscribe to Bill O'Reilly's podcast feed wherever podcasts are available.